Welcome to TWW, The Weekly Wheel, where each week the Dharma Wheel rolls and delivers you new content available anywhere at any time in your everyday life. We present a mindfulness service, which has three components. First, meditation. And then we meditate with sound through chanting. You can have your mind wander when you sit in silence, but it's very difficult to wander as you chant. You need to focus on the next character, on your breathing, on the next line. And if you pat yourself on the back too much or become too self-aware, you'll miss a line. And then lastly, we have something called active listening, where we lean into and really listen to the Dharma talk given by our senseis. You could think of silent meditation and sound meditation through chanting as preparatory to get our minds focused and open and clear so we can really listen clearly and really take in the Dharma. And in a sense, it perfumes the mind. The mind is slowly changed as it hears new points of view, new perspectives, and new approaches to dealing with life. It's set up much like an in-person service. It's led, moderated by multiple voices. So you get a variety of opinions, a variety of, of perspectives as you go on your journey. So I hope you will join us now for this mindfulness service presented to you by the people at The Weekly Wheel and the Orange County Buddhist Church. Thank you so much. We will now have seated meditation. Take a moment to see that your back is straight and centered with your shoulders relaxed. If you're in a chair, it's best to sit forward slightly rather than leaning on the chair back and keep your feet flat on the floor. Try keeping your eyes half open, resting the gaze gently downward, without focusing on anything in particular. In the same way, be open to whatever sounds are coming into your ears, whether from inside the room or outdoors. We are not trying to isolate ourselves from the world around us, but rather feel that we're part of that world. If you like, you may count your breaths from one to ten. Inhale deeply, let it all out. Try slowing down your rate of breathing relative to what it would be at other times. We are not trying to think about anything in particular or visualize anything. We simply watch our thoughts come and go.
Please put your hands together in gasho. Bow. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namandabutsu. 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 You may stretch your legs and then please stand. We will now have our standing meditation session. Your upper body is in the same position as for sitting meditation. Straight head and spine, shoulders back, eyes half open, hands comfortably positioned in front. Legs should be shoulder width apart with knees slightly bent. Again, rock forward and backward and side to side to find your center. Standing meditation reminds us to take our meditation practice out into the world, waiting in line at the store, being stuck in traffic, going through TSA security at the airport. Over time, meditation becomes a practice for the body and mind that can be recalled when needed most in situations that may be merely annoying, perhaps frustrating, or even stressful. We will begin at the sound of the bell.
Please put your hands together in gasho and bow. Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz. All right, this completes our standing meditation. Please return to your seats and we'll prepare for our second seated meditation. Again, uh, posture's the same. Uh, try to have a nice straight back, shoulders relaxed, um, eyes half open, half closed, uh, breathing down into your stomach using your diaphragm. Um, place your hands uh, in front of your lower abdomen and we will begin our second seated meditation at the sound of the bell.
please join me in God's show. Naman doubts, naman doubts, naman doubts, naman doubts, naman doubts. We will now have sutra chanting. A sutra is a sacred scripture from Buddhism. These originated long ago in India and in China. The text that we chant is actually Chinese, a translation from Sanskrit originals. Is it necessary to understand the meaning of what we're chanting? Of course, not at the outset. We don't know anything about it when we first begin. But I believe that we should aim to understand what the sutra is teaching us. We should have a basic awareness of its content. These are the teachings of our Shin Buddhist tradition, after all. For that reason, we provide in the Shin Buddhist service book some pages of explanation and some English translations. What we experience by chanting, I would say, has three aspects. The first aspect is meditative, like sitting or standing or breathing. Chanting forces us to focus our attention on the present moment, and it helps to calm our minds. Second, there is a ritual aspect. We are reenacting something that's taken place countless times over the centuries. We are connecting with the many followers of our Buddhist tradition, who have chanted these same words, and we are gaining a sense of oneness with the other people who are chanting at this time, perhaps listening to this podcast. Third, there is a learning aspect. This is to gain a little bit of knowledge of what the meaning of the characters that we chant are, and we do that separately, I would say, from actual chanting. We will now chant Jusege. Gagon cho se gan
Please put your hands together in gasho and bow. Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts. Let me share with you now an excerpt from the audiobook edition of Awaken to Your True Self by Hideo Yonezawa. Chapter 6 People Who Live with Shinjin. Itoko Kamishiro. I was deeply moved by reading about Itoko Kamishiro in the magazine Lay Buddhism. I could not read about her life and her poems without tears. I then quickly looked for and read Ms. Kamishiro's collection of poems entitled A Flower of Stone. I would like to introduce her to all of you from the postscript and personal history written by her in the back of her book of poems.
Itoko was born in 1908 to a farming family in Shimane Prefecture. After graduating from a girls' school and then helping at home, she came to know the poetry of Tekkan Yosano and Akiko Yosano, and came to look up to both of them as her teachers of poetry. Her family must have been of modest means at that time because she did not have the finances to pay her poetry teachers for correcting her poetry. In 1934, Itoko began to work at a factory in Hikone because she had to help with the family finances. During her time of work there, she contracted typhoid fever. In 1943, she left the factory to get married. Her husband-to-be was Teruo Watanabe, commander of the Shimane Medical Facility for the Wounded, and a lieutenant colonel in the intelligence branch of the Army Reserves. Since he lost his first wife and was left alone with children, he sought to remarry. This was at a time when most young men of marriageable age were being sent off to war, thus making it difficult for Itoko to find someone to marry. The go-between who arranged Itoko's marriage to Mr. Watanabe said that there were only three children, but actually there were five. Two of the children were being hospitalized with tuberculosis, and this had been kept secret from her before she married. It was as if she had married to become a nurse for the two ill children who subsequently died. Japan then lost the war. Her husband, at such a depressing time, became ill and died. The illnesses of the two children from her husband's first marriage and the illness and death of her husband depleted the family's finances, leaving her a widow with three stepchildren. They rented their home, but due to their financial situation, the landlord demanded that they leave. Because of their lack of money, the go-between of their marriage talked to the landlord and helped to pay for the funeral expenses of the husband and two children. Itoko was even forced to sell their last possessions to a pawn shop, leaving them with nothing. Although she worked at odd jobs, it was not sufficient to support them. A poet friend of hers encouraged her to leave the Watanabe family. However, she would not do so. The reason was that the third child, who also came down with tuberculosis and later died, said to her before dying, Mom, please don't leave us, because it would be too sad for my younger brother and sister to be left behind. With such a life of suffering, she began to work as a day laborer building roads. Here is one of her poems about this. On the morning that my working world began, a flower has fallen at the feet of my work boots. Not showing any tears in front of the children, I go to work proudly, well disguised as a man. It is a day that I pay reverence to the great earth for the joy of being able to work. During the war, as the wife of a military man, she received the respect of others, but after the war, as a military wife, plus being a widow, she was treated coldly by others. On top of that, she had to work to support two stepchildren. At a time when food was scarce after the war, it must have been difficult for a woman laborer to support three people. Here is another of her poems. While buying things at the junkyard, I am told by others, you too are trash. Others stay away from me, seeing my poverty and thinking I am dangerous. But it's okay because it's nice and quiet. 
Today's wages are less than yesterday's. Placing it in my notebook, I walk along the muddy road. Since the children were too young, she could not unload her frustrations on them. Every day was a matter of survival. In taking care of children with tuberculosis, she also contracted it and would cough up blood at work. At home, she would tell her children that she had caught a cold and went to bed. Another poem. I feel as if there are cracks all over my body, and it is too painful to even roll over in bed. Drinking one sip of water, I considered it my medicine and felt gratitude to the heavens. She was a woman doing the physical labor of a man, so it was natural that if she had a fever, she would ache all over. She did not see a doctor, nor did she take any medicine. The reason she did not see a doctor was because they could not afford it. Because she had to feed the children, she could not buy medicine. Fortunately, she was able to recover and to return to work. Another poem. When I think of the Buddha's compassion, I feel a peacefulness despite the difficulties of this world. For Itoko, it was most certainly a difficult world. It was almost as if she had been born into this world to suffer. Nonetheless, she had deep faith in the compassion of the Buddha. In addition, at the bottom of her heart, she had peace of mind. In reading her poems, I was so impressed that I wrote to her and asked her who her teacher of Buddhism was. She wrote back and said that she had not been taught Buddhism by anyone. She had merely been raised by her father, who had placed great importance on religion in his life. When she was a child, her grandfather also told her stories about the Buddha. In actuality, her teacher of the Dharma was her illiterate grandfather. To this woman, who as a laborer was raising stepchildren, what do you think her stepchildren said? She expresses it in a poem. That kind of menial work fits you, Mom, since you don't have any talent or abilities. How shocking! These are words from a child who, if not for Itoko, would have been placed in an orphanage. And how did she take these words? Looking down at this child, I thought, Yes, what you say is right. I do not deserve to be a mother. How could she say this? Every person's generosity has limits. However, because as a child she had listened to the teachings of the Buddha from her grandfather, she looked into herself, and taking the words of this child as the words of the Buddha, her ego self did not inflate. During such difficult times, her children did not fall into the wrong path, but she did not say it was because of her efforts, but because they were good kids. Itoko wrote to me, as the years go by, I have no doubt as to the compassion of the Buddha. More than anyone, Shakyamuni Buddha calls a person like her a white lotus flower, or pundarika. This has been an excerpt from Awaken to Your True Self by Hideo Yonezawa, an audiobook published by the Buddhist Education Center and available now on Amazon and Audible. Namo Amidabutsu, Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts, Namandabuts, Namandabuts, Namandabuts. Today's program was presented and produced by 
the Buddhist Education Center of Orange County Buddhist Church. This podcast is copyrighted 2023 by the Orange County Buddhist Church, Anaheim, California, all rights reserved.